All right. Good morning, everybody. How we doing on a beautiful January Sunday morning? Praise God. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. Amen. Well, we are going to have a fantastic time today uh, getting into the Word of God together. Praise the Lord. And so a few couple of quick updates. Uh, you know, as you know, there's kind of uh, whatever current wave of whatever is going through the rounds. You know, you know what I'm saying. All right. I don't even want to name all this junk. But anyway, so uh, we do have a little bit of a shortage of our normal people today and workers. So children's ministry uh, for today only is just nursery through first grade. And uh, in Jesus name, we'll be able to get all of our normal workers back next week uh, to uh, be able to bless and minister to the kids. And also, typically, we go around and do meet and greet. We're just going to pause that just for today. You know, if you want to go get hugs, Meet me out back. I will give you a hug, okay? I will hug everybody. I'm a hugger these days. Didn't used to be, but you guys made me one. So anyway, but if you need a hug, come get one from me or from somebody else. And then that way, those that don't want hugged or touched, you know, then praise God. You don't have to get hugged or touched. All right. Well, let's go ahead, and we are going to open up our service by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Let's stand up together today. Praise God. We believe that America is coming to Jesus, and we will continue to hold fast the confession of faith, for he is faithful that promised. Amen. Let's say this together this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. Well, we got a few announcements that we're going to run over here real quick to keep you in the loop on everything that's going on. If you're watching online with us today, if you could give us a wave in the comments or say watching, that'll kind of help us keep track of everybody right now and make sure that we've got tabs on you. And I do want to remind you, you know, hey, if you've got something going on, if there's a sickness that's tried to hit your household or you, let us know so we can be standing in faith with you, okay? We don't want you uh, fighting your battles alone. We want to be side by side with you. So if at any time over the next season you need prayer, man, send us a message. Send us a text so we can uh, be hooked up in faith with you. And we know that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right. Well, a few announcements for you. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that, hey, we are doing a monthly bulletin again, a printed out thing. So uh, we didn't do that for the last couple of years. But if you uh, if you, you know, want to know what's going on, stay in the loop and have it in printing. Make sure you get a bulletin from the greeters. And we'll be doing that every single month. Also, exciting news if you're a lady, all right? Because the women's meeting is coming up, ladies. Uh, let's see. Next Friday, the 14th at, what, uh, this Friday, this Friday, the 14th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, they're doing a soup and salad deal, so, you know, bring one in. And also, uh, the title, it's a salad bar. I am so, 
no soup, excuse me, salad, all right? As we're trying to stay super healthy. So bring in a salad and some vitamins or something. You know what I mean? Come on, get some Gatorade. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the title and the topic of discussion is Help for Young Moms. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not a young mom anymore, or I'm, you know, I'm a grandma now. Hey, we want you there. Maybe, you know, my kids are in high school. It doesn't matter. We want all of you there. Uh, my mom's going to be sharing the word on this. And also, uh, this is a great chance for some of you that have been through some things already as a mom to share your wisdom and insight with some of the younger moms and help each other out. Amen. All right. And speaking of the young moms deal, hey, uh, Saturday the 22nd at 11 a.m., uh, all the young wives and moms are getting together at Jenny's here in town. And y'all know that Pastor Dave loves Jenny's. I may just be there. You know what I mean? You may see me in the corner and I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just there doing my thing, but I love Jenny's. And, uh, this is a no kids event. So moms, this is your chance to get together, uh, with some of the other ladies in your category. Uh, Julie, my uh, sister-in-law, Julie, back there. She's heading this thing up. So, uh, anyway, be there and, uh, encourage each other. All right. And then another great, big, wonderful announcement is this, is that membership class is coming up. Who's excited for membership class? I feel that in my heart right there. Come on. Uh, so membership class is going to be Sunday night, January 23rd from 4 to 7 p.m. And, you know, maybe you're like, hey, I've been coming to High Desert Word Center for a while. And 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 I really feel like, you know, this is my church. And so, hey, if you if you know in your heart that this is your church, we want you to make it official. We want you to put a ring on the finger, brother, sister, put a ring on the finger and say, you know what? I'm putting down roots right here. And again, a lot of people don't understand membership. This isn't signing you up to work, you know, or this isn't a a commitment that you're going to give. There's, you know, listen, hey, this is just about saying this is my church and we want you to know more about us and we want to welcome you into the family. Amen. And so praise God. uh, So get that signed up and we want to do that for you and we want you to uh, be a part of the family officially. Amen. All right. Well, with all that being said, I'm going to ask pastor to come on up this morning and we are excited because uh, what time is it? High desert. It's happy time. Amen. And it's happy time because God absolutely loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor Dave. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to go to church for people for the Holy Ghost and wisdom and power? Amen. Well, hold up your hands if you need an offering, if you need an offering envelope. And uh, I know most people give online and things like that now. But, uh, you know, I just want to remind you that uh, when we when we give tithes and offerings, we're not giving them to the church. We're giving them to Jesus. And so we always have to have faith hooked up what we're doing. So even, even if you give online and, uh, you know, go through your cards and things like that, at offering time, walk up this way anywhere and just be praising Jesus. Stand up here praising for something. Say, Lord, I want to thank you. That I've sown into your kingdom. I want to thank you, Lord, for your favor and your blessings. Because tithes and offerings is a spiritual thing, number one. And the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. So because it's a spiritual thing, it'd be so easy doing things online. Just think, well, it's like making my house payment. Push the button. It's paid. Uh, you're not, you're not, you're not paying to some person. You're giving to Jesus. Because you're, because you're giving to Jesus, Keep your faith hooked up. Amen. Now look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. I want to give you a verse. Isaiah 
Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. Give you a chance to get there. And, you know, the times we're living in, if there's ever a time we need to walk closer to Jesus, it's now. You know, for all times, people should walk close to Jesus, especially the times we're living in, the uncertainties and everything. And so, you know, I think about the Word of God, and when I read my Bible, when I'm talking to Him, I say, Lord, I know that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words I'm reading thousands of years ago is the same Holy Spirit that lives in me now. And I know that these words that were alive then are alive now. And Lord, open up my heart. Open up my mind to receive all you want to say to me for the days we live in. And so these words are eternal. Just as surely as 650 years ago when Isaiah wrote these, they're for today. If you be willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. And the good of the land means you're blessed in the natural things of life. You know, eating the good of the land is not just talking about what you eat, although it includes what you eat. It's talking about your natural prosperity for all the things that taste and succeed of this life. And see, that's like Matthew 6, 33. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And you know, people got to understand when Jesus said things, he really meant things. Is a car a thing? Is a house a thing? Are clothing things? Is education for your kids things? Is a good job a thing? All these things that it takes for us to enjoy this life, he said you put him first and these things are added. And so you know, as I look at this verse this morning, I'm thinking about us, I'm thinking about life, and I've been praying, like you've been praying, about all the all the upheaval in the world today. And one main thing the Lord spoke to my heart the last few days, I'm seeking Him in prayer about all the things. You know what all's going on. I mean, I'm talking about the main COVID things and all the repercussions, things going on. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word's always the same. And I was praying yesterday in James chapter 1 about the wisdom of God. As spiritual leaders, how we're supposed to help you and help ourselves and see what to do in the times we live in. And as I was praying about the wisdom of God, now get this, the wisdom of God is the plan of God. And for our lives, when we're praying for wisdom about who to marry, where to live, where to work, where to go to church, etc., what we're really saying is, Father, what's your plan? who I'm supposed to marry. What's your plan about am I supposed to go to college or not go to college? What's your plan about my job? What's your plan about my church? That's what you're asking. And as I was praying yesterday, the Lord reminded me of what I've taught pretty much all my pastor life. There's two aspects of the wisdom of God, and this will help you. There's two aspects of the wisdom of God. Number one, the entire Bible is the written wisdom of God. That's God's plan for man is the Bible. And then number two, the Holy Spirit, if we're listed, will give us step-by-step plans in our heart about marriage, about church, about bringing up children. Whatever it is in life, the Holy Spirit has an individual plan. It's not a cookie cutter. 
Everybody's not supposed to be a truck driver. Everybody's not supposed to go to college. Everybody's not supposed to marry the same type person. Everybody's not supposed to go to the same church. But individually, as you seek him about his wisdom for your life, in your heart, you're going to know. I need to get this job. I need to get a different house. I need to go to this church. And that's the individual plan of God, the wisdom of God. But one thing I know, that this is what I want to leave with you. I've learned this out of a lot of years of Christian living and pastoring, that when you're not hearing anything in your heart about what to do, hold steady and follow the written plan. Follow the written plan. And the written plan is to do what the Bible says to do that's real to you. And so I know that I told Mrs. Pastor, this morning we were talking about it again. The Lord spoke some pretty strong things to me this morning from the Word of God about the times we live in. One thing I know for sure that's never changed, the last words of Jesus on earth, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then he said, These signs shall follow them that believe. We cast out devils. We lay hands on the sick. We help people. And so if you don't know anything else to do right now, stay saved. Know that heaven's real, hell's real, eternity's forever, and you stay close enough to Jesus that all these hurting people around you that are all messed up, all goofed up, they don't know what to do about day to day, let them know Jesus loves you, he's real, heaven's real. Do you know Jesus? Lay hands on him. Amen. Help him. That's the, that's, the, that's the wisdom of God. And then as you're doing that, you're going to start knowing your heart about decisions you have about your own personal life. He'll show you things. Why is that? Because you're in the flow. Amen. As a willing and obedient, we know that the Bible says we bring the tithes to the storehouse. You know the Bible says that. And so everybody is willing to be blessed. But then you got the obedient size on your part. And so... You qualify when you do what the Bible says to do. And so that's what we want to do as Christians. We want to stay as close to God as we can. And the way to stay close to God is to obey the Word of God. Come to church, hear the Word, go home, and keep on living like Christians. Act, act like you're in church every day on the job. And so if you wouldn't do it in church, don't do it on the job. If you wouldn't do it in church in front of all your Christian friends, don't do it, but nobody's watching you except God and the devil. <laughs> hey, man, is that good preaching or what? Hey, man, we want to fulfill the plan of God, and the plan of God is preach the gospel, get people helped. Amen, amen. Well, let's, let's, let's make our financial faith confession, and then we'll bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar. We'll worship the Lord with our tithes. And then we'll just go ahead and let the anointing of God come in here like it is right now. It'll increase and get stronger. We'll all get answers. Are you ready? As we break the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. For meeting all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give gesture to the kingdom of God, 
promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's raise our hands together today. Who knows that God's been good to us? Hallelujah. Amen. I was just reading Psalm 150, verse 6. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And that's good news because I may not have a lot, but I do have breath. I do have air pumping through my lungs right now. And I can give praise to God. So let's lift up his name together today. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. There is nobody like you. Nobody equal to you. Nobody on the same level as you. We praise your name, Jesus. You are good. And your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us, Father. We love you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also, I was just thinking of Psalm 23, man. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. I'm not chasing it down. It's chasing me down. Hallelujah. That's the grace and the favor of God on our lives. And so I encourage you today, man, if there is something coming against you, get into the presence of God. Praise his name. Amen. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Goodness and mercy. They're chasing you down. Amen. If we do things his way. Let's give the Lord one more great big shout of praise today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And we praise your name today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats today. Praise the Lord. What an awesome, wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good to, to see all you guys. And we, we lift up and pray for those that couldn't be here with us today. And, and we know that God is working in, in the lives of his people and bringing healing to those that need it. But God is good all the time. Who knows that, man? God is always good to me. He's never bad to me. He is always good to me, and I love him so much. Well, praise God. What we're talking about today, uh, again, we kind of kicked this off last week, and and what we're discussing for the next few weeks is Joshua twenty four fifteen. That's our theme this year. But our major focus is on families in 2022 and really and beyond. But uh, I guess to backtrack a little bit and I need to paint the full picture uh, of all this. Um, we are a family church. In fact, our mission statement is a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. That That's what we do. And I was discussing a little bit of this last week, but, you know, a lot happened in 2021 that really uh, uh, brought this into focus for us. And and uh, early this year, a great friend of mine and my dad's and the whole community, one of the great pastors uh, uh, retired. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to see him retire and go. He's so awesome. And I love him so much. And he, you know, moved back uh, several states back to where he's from. And I was thinking, man, he, he had such a... He had such a position in the community. He had a very specific calling, and he knew what his calling was, and he was great at it. And I'm like, who's going to fill that void? And I'm just thinking about all this stuff. And really, I start to realize, man, God's called, you know, each church to a specific thing, and I want them to succeed. And we believe so much in the other churches of Barstow that, man, we're cutting checks every month and giving them to other churches because I'm like, you know, these guys are fantastic at helping the homeless population. And so, you know, we're kind of on the outside of town. There's not a whole lot of uh, that right here on Soap Mine Road out here, but praise God. But I believe so much in that cause that 
I'm going to send money to those that are called to that. But that's not our specific calling. That doesn't make us bad. It's just not our calling. So we will support those who are called to that. Another great church is so fantastic and wonderful with an addiction ministry. And, and we see a lot of deliverance from addictions around here simply through the word of God. But we don't have a fallout program for it. I believe so much in that cause that we've sent money to that church and prayers and resources and blessings, but that's not our specific call. So I'm like, what is our specific thing? And I mean, I've known this, but now I really know it. We are a family church. We are called to the families of Barstow. And and does that mean that that's all we care about? No. What I'm saying is this, is if you've got a family, we want to make it a healthy whole, wonderful, peaceful, joyful, happy family through the word of God. If you don't have a family, we want to become your family and give you a place to belong. Amen. And that's what we're all about around here is equipping families because Barstow has a lot of needs. We need, we've got homeless needs. We've got addiction needs. And as I said last week, we've got a desperate need for a Wendy's of our own because we got to drive to Victorville. Well, there's a lot of things we need. And one thing on the list of things that Barstow needs is help for the families. And, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know, paint as much of the picture as I can before I get into the sermon. But I'm looking at it. You realize that God has even gifted us for this. We're very blessed to have 13 acres, amen, uh, that we own. And I'm just going to be honest. This is the year that our mortgage is going to get paid off. Mark my words. You heard it here first that. We are this close, and we've got some great things in the works, but we are this close to owning 13 acres, three or four buildings, I don't know how many, uh, that that are going to be paid off debt-free, and this is ours, and no one can ever touch it or threaten us or take it away from us. We're this close to that happening this year. And to go a step further is uh, we have a well on this property that we've, we've got tested and we hit water uh, really shallow. And they said, you've got, you, you personally own enough water there to run an entire small community of your own. And I'm like, guess what? When we get all this together, we're turning this place in to a sanctuary, to a haven for the families of Barstow. There's going to be a park. There's going to be soccer fields. There's going to be a beautiful pl- I want a pond with ducks and fish in it, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? But check it out. But this place is going to be a, a sanctuary for families to come in. And it may be crazy out there, but this is a place for healing and help for your families. It is going to happen. And in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen. But that's our vision, and that's where we're going. And it's all starting right now. We desperately care about your family. I need you to have a blessed and healthy marriage. I need you to to be parenting and grandparenting your kids in the ways of God. And so that's our goal and our mission is to make that happen. I don't want to see another generation of Barstonians grow up in a split home or a home where mom and dad hated each other. They sold sold their kids out for drugs. I don't I don't want none of that anymore. I want to see healing and a wonderful future for this community and it all starts with raising godly Christian families. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. And so here's the verse. Check it out. Let's go to Joshua chapter 24. Who's with me today? Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. 
This is our church theme verse for the year. Now, every year we have a a verse that's really uh, our focus for the year. And this is our focus, not only for this year, but really from here on out. But Joshua 24, 15, and this is a verse that most Christians already know. A lot of them quote it. And, uh, and, And I want you to get the significance of it, though. Joshua 24, and we're going to look at verse 15. Now, here we have Joshua. He's an older man in his life. He's, he's done his job, man. He led them across the Jordan River. They got into the promised land of Canaan, and they started clearing out the towns. They started knocking off Jericho and, 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 and the, all these just different towns and taking them over for the people of God. It's a wonderful book to read. But here we have, at the end of his life, here's an older man speaking, and he wants to tell the people this before he moves on into his real promised land into heaven. But Joshua 24, 15 of the New King James, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And so notice there's a choice there. You don't have to serve the Lord. You could choose the gods that the rest of America serves. You could choose the gods that people over there serve or people over here. The choice is all yours. But you got to be like Joshua if you want the blessing. And he said, hey, they are all doing what they're doing. I can't speak for them, but I can speak for my family. We are going to serve the Lord. And you've got to make that decision for your own life. I can't make it for you. Mom and dad can't make it for you. You've got to make the decision, first of all, for you, if you're going to serve the Lord as an individual, because you are not forced to do that. And at the same time, if you are in charge of that house, man, if you're a parent, grandparent, mom, dad, whatever, you've got to start taking a stand and saying, as for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. Even if nobody else does, if we're the last one standing, we are going to serve the Lord. And so what I want to get to now today is my main thing. I want you to go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Who loves Nehemiah? All right. Who's read Nehemiah? Come on, somebody. All right. Yeah. So Nehemiah, I love Nehemiah. It is a wonderful, wonderful book, and I'm not going to break it all down and go into it today, but uh, we're going to look at something here uh, that Nehemiah said as they were preparing to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah chapter four, and, and they had a job on their hands right here, man. You think that, you know, you've got your work cut out for you. These guys had their work cut out for them. And I love something that Nehemiah says right here in Nehemiah chapter four and verse 14, because they're, they're going to rebuild the walls and take back their city that was stolen from them and destroyed. And maybe you're in a spot where the devil's tried to come and steal your family and, and knock down the walls of your life and your house and your family. And so they're rebuilding, but there's surrounding armies, there's enemies, there's people that hate them and don't want to see them succeed. They've got people threatening them, and, 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 and it's just, it's not an easy situation because they are trying to build this wall to protect their city, and there's invaders coming saying, no, we're going to kill you, we're going to stop you. But check out what Nehemiah does as the leader of this whole project, Nehemiah 4.14. He says, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. 
Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Check this out. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What's he saying there? Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember that God is on your side. And to break down that last sentence, fight for your family. Because check it out. There's a lot of things fighting for your family right now. And if you're not even going to put up a fight, the other things are going to win. There's an enemy that wants to destroy the Christian family. He wants to split mom and dad up. He wants the kids to hate you. He wants the kids to grow up and, and turn their back on the ways of God. There's an enemy that wants to come in and take your family out. Well, Pastor Dave, I came to get encouraged today. I'm just trying to tell you the truth right now, but it's encouraging because I have found the way to win and stop this from happening. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's the answer. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to break down this verse into a few key parts. And, and I was going to go a totally different direction this week. But it seems like every week, I, you know, I, I get the sermon written early on. I'm like, I'm good to go. Then on Friday, God calls an audible and I got to rewrite a whole thing. And so it happened again this week. Just totally had to rewrite all this. Totally different thing. But we're going to break down this verse into a few parts. And this applies to your family. And it applies also to your faith life. Because I know the devil's not only trying to hit your family, he's trying to hit your health. He's trying to hit your peace of mind. He's trying to hit your finances. He's trying to hit you from every different direction. And the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. And it's going to work to fight off the enemy. So, amen. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we're going to break this verse down in a little bit, dissect it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you that we can always triumph in Christ Jesus. And we know that your word is the answer to every situation we may face. I pray today that as we open our Bibles, as we study your word, Lord, we know you're speaking to us. Help us to have open hearts, open minds to receive your word. And we thank you that we are changed for the better today. In the name of Jesus, can someone say amen? All right, number one is this. Number one, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Now, yeah, we're talking about families today, but this goes for any area of your life. If you live in fear all the time, I'm telling you now, if you live in fear all the time about your kid's future or their health, or, or, or their behavior, or, 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 or fear in any area. If you live in fear, the enemy's already winning. He's already winning. I mean, come on. That's what he wants. He wants you to have a spirit of fear. He wants you to be controlled. He wants you to be paralyzed with fear. And you're like, oh, I hope the devil don't get me. I hope he don't get me. I hope he don't get me. He already got you. He is wrecking your mind. He is, he is, he's giving you anxiety and stress and fear and depression. He's already got one foot in the door. Check it out. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Now, there's a difference between being cautious. We get that or, or being a good protector over your family. There's, there's that. And then there's living in fear, right? I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to be cautious. I'm not going to let the kids play tag out in the middle of Main Street. But at the same time, check it. I am not going to live my life 
in fear. I'm not going to give the devil that joy. That's exactly what he wants. I was reading this book right here uh, the other day, Love Never Fails by Kenneth Hagin. We've got it in the bookstore, a little tiny mini book. It says it's $1.50. But anyway, uh, and so he tells this story in here about he was at this church uh, ministering, and the piano player was this 27-year-old girl, and, and he's like, she's like the best piano player I've ever heard. But she can't even, she looks so timid and afraid and bashful. She can't look you in the eye. She can't hold a conversation. And, and so he asked the pastor, he's like, what's up with this poor girl? And he's like, it's, a, it's really a sad story. She's, you know, got a couple of music degrees. She's got all the talent in the world. But her mom has protected her and hovered over her and sheltered her so much out of love that she has handicapped the girl to where she can't even hold a conversation. And parents, sometimes we can be so controlled by fear that we think is love that we're doing more damage than harm. And so she, you know, we hear the phrase helicopter parent. And and so that's what we had going on here. And so Kenneth Hagin's like, I want to talk to this mom. And so the mom comes up to him and she's like, will you pray for me? My son, he just turned 18 and left the house. I want you to pray that he'll come home. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. In fact, I'm going to pray that your daughter, who's 27, I pray that she leaves too. And she starts bawling and crying. Like, no, why? I've got such love. He's like, that's not the God kind of love. That's human love. That's a selfish love because you're being so selfish about them that you want to keep them at your house until God knows when because it's making you feel better. It's damaging the kid. And some people, check it out, I'm just being real right now, that we love them and we got to be cautious and, and, and we got to protect them. But sometimes we can let fear come in and turn what could be a godly love into a selfish love. If you're 27, you know, I'm not being me. There comes a point in time where you got to go ahead and move out and start your own life. That's not healthy. You know, you don't got to be 35, 40 and still living at home. And, and you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're helping an elderly parent, that's the one thing. But if you've just never been able to get the courage to get out or if mom and dad have not given you the necessary resources to go out and make it on your own, that's not healthy. I don't know why I'm even saying all that. Maybe someone needs to hear it, but check it out. Come on. You know, I'm going to get letters in the mail again, but, you know, that happens sometimes, believe it or not. I get letters in the mail from people that don't like some things. But anyway, uh, but the God kind of love isn't full of fear. We're trying to help you here. Let me show you a verse, Job chapter 3, Job chapter 3. We got some Old Testament verses we're looking at today, but Job is an interesting story right before the book of Psalms. Job, and if you're familiar with this, you know that Job had a very good life going for him. Uh, he was rich. He owned a lot of cattle. He owned land. He owned a lot of things. He had a, a wonderful family, and and, uh, and 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 it all gets taken away from him. And it wasn't God that took it away, but but Satan came in and was allowed to strip Job of all that he had. He he killed off his livestock he killed his his kids died. i mean it's nearly it's a depressing book until you read to the end of it then it gets good but yeah uh, it, it's just a crazy crazy book he loses his money his prestige he loses everything but there's a key 
to the book of Job that really explains a lot. And it's by his own admission. Check this out. Job 3, verse 25. Job says, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that fearing the enemy doesn't keep him away. It only makes him come closer. You notice that? And, you know, what they talk about, you know, so we like to go camping and go and play in the woods and stuff like that. And we've seen bears and things like that. But a lot of people, if you come across a bear, the dumbest thing you can do is just take off running. His predator instincts are going to kick in, and he's going to chase you down, and he will outrun you. And he can't outclimb you. But they can just sense that fear. But if you stand your ground, make a little noise, chances are that they'll, you know, they'll, I don't want to mess with that. They'll go the other way. But fear doesn't keep the enemy away and makes the enemy come closer. And if you look at the book of Job right here, he opened some of this door to his life. What, by his own admission, he had always been afraid of losing everything. He had always been afraid of all that he was blessed with being stripped away from him. And I'm telling you right now that oftentimes the thing that you let fear control about, oh man, I hope I don't get this. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they don't take this away. I hope that doesn't. If you just let that keep brewing and growing and let those roots of fear go down further into your life, that opens the door even worse to those things happening. That's not the will of God. So Job loses everything. And Heather, I've actually, I've got a little video I was going to play uh, about Job for just a second. But he loses everything except one thing. And so go ahead and let's, let's see the just one minute video here. I just got blessed with a good wife. Not every guy has a good wife. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, think about Job in the Old Testament. Think about Job's wife. She must have been a real piece of work. I mean, the devil took everything from Job, man. Killed his kids, killed his servants, killed his livestock, covered Job in boils and sores. But his wife did not die. That's saying something right there, isn't it? Like, hey, devil, Job's wife's right over there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Trust me, leave her. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, anyway, sorry. I, I had to that video. <laughs> but Job lost everything except for his wife. And, you know, you read the story. She <clears throat> doesn't seem like, the, you know, the wife of the year. But anyway, uh, what I, in all seriousness, what I am saying is this. When someone is living in fear about a specific thing, it seems to usually actually happen to them. And so what was Nehemiah saying to these families that were rebuilding the wall? First of all, he says, don't be afraid of the enemy. That makes you vulnerable to attacks and to defeat. And I refuse to live my life in fear. Don't be afraid of the enemy as mom and dad, as the head of the house, or in any area of your life. It just makes you more susceptible to an attack and to going down. Now, the second thing I'm going to say today is this. Number two, what is the second thing that Nehemiah said? Number one, he said, don't be afraid of the enemy. And then number two, he said, remember the Lord, great and glorious. I love that. 
I love the way that Nehemiah phrased this verse. Because when you're living in fear, your mind obviously is not on the Lord who is great and glorious. I can tell you this much. Anytime in my life that I've been battling fear or that I've been letting fear mess with me, it's never when I'm just sitting there, man, I'm just thinking about God so much. I'm just so wrapped up in his glory and his presence. My gosh, I'm terrified. Wow, I'm afraid. No, when my mind is on the Lord, great and glorious, when I am remembering the things that God's, I'm not living in fear. I'm living in faith at that point. And so Nehemiah says, you've got to remember the Lord, great and glorious. Well, obviously, we live in crazy times right now. Anybody else notice that, that this thing is getting loco? It is getting crazy, crazier by the day. And and I was just talking to Walter. I'm like, man, I feel so great this week. I barely watched the news or anything. I don't know if they're all blowing each other up right now. I don't know. I don't care. My mind is on Jesus. Amen. And so, but one positive thing about living in crazy times is that we can teach our kids firsthand how to handle crazy times. We can show them that this is how you fight the fight of faith. We can teach them how to live in wisdom and not be foolish, but also how to not have a spirit of fear. And so another way of saying, remember the Lord great and glorious is to say, hey, focus on the Lord great and glorious. Focus on the Lord. I want you to turn to the New Testament here. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, amen? Who's having a good time today? Yeah, I'm really glad I came to church. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to check out verse 2. But we're talking about remembering the Lord or, or, or focusing on the Lord. Not just you, but your whole household, your whole family. And what we're doing is we're breaking down a key verse here that's going to give you victory for the family. Because we want to see your family blessed. We want to see your bills paid. We want to see your marriage uh, succeeding and thriving. We want to see your kids serving God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Well, how do we do all that? Well, Hebrews 12, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Check it out. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now, the very first sentence of this verse is what I'm getting at here. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on on Jesus. And I hear people say things all the time, you know, whether they realize it or they're just being generic or whatever, but like, hey, well, man, keep your eyes on Jesus. And that sounds really great, but some people don't actually know how to do that. Am I looking at the sky all the time? How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? Well, this is talking about the eyes of your heart. How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? I consistently read his word. And I'm going to tell you something right now on no uncertain terms. You are not going to live a victorious life. You are not going to have the blessings of heaven if you are not consistently reading the word of God. It is not going to happen. And, and there's just no other, there's no shortcuts around this. Now, I was just talking with Tim even a little bit ago back there. And, and, and what we were talking about is it's not that you read 10 chapters a day so you can get your pen out and say, okay, I read 10 chapters, check. 
There you go. I did it. I would rather I would rather read one verse that I get something out of than 10 chapters just to check it off my to-do list and say, well, I did it. It's about quality, not quantity. But you need to be every day. There's just, I'm sorry, there's no shortcuts around this. And and so I see, I hear people like, man, I just can't get into the Bible. You you got to find a way. You know, we, we print out a, a reading list every month, 12 months out of the year. We've got a, a daily reading chart to help you out to get a kickstart. And, and that's all good. But you've got to find a way that you start getting the word of God into your heart because you have no promise of victory without the word of God. It's it's the sword of the spirit. It's how you fight your battles. Come on. You got to have the word of God if you're going to keep your eyes on Jesus. And, and maybe not everyone agrees with this, but if you're going to keep your eyes on Jesus, I believe that you're going to consistently go to the house of God. You're going to go to church. And I mean, that's just not a popular thing to say anymore, but I just don't see how you love God so much and you don't want to go to the house of the Lord and be around the people of God. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And on top of it, it's disobedience because Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints or, or, or the meeting together, especially now that the day of his return is approaching. And so he's like, it's always been good to go to church, but especially as it gets closer to Jesus coming back, you really need to be going to church. And so I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher and I want people in the church, (laughs) but check it out. It is for your benefit that you are a strong Christian and you get yourself and your kids and your family to church. That is showing that you are keeping your eyes on Jesus. No matter what's going on, keeping your eyes on Jesus, and and you all another way to keep your eyes on Him, man, consistently sing His praises. You need to be a person that praises God. Sunday morning shouldn't be the only time that these hands raise up and praises come out of that mouth. That should be happening all throughout the week, and it's even I mean it's awesome when we all do it together, but. I'm talking about ways that you can get some victory in your life. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be going to church. You need to be praising God. None of this is rocket science. I get it. Maybe you wanted to come and hear a deep theological discourse on the dispensations today. But I'm just trying to get the rubber to to get the rubber to meet the road stuff that you can apply. You're a Christian. Read your Bible. You're a Christian. Go to church. You're a Christian. Sing praises to God. Pray. This is basic stuff. But it's the key to you actually being successful. And so it says to keep your eyes on Jesus. And, man, all those things I just listed, if I've got a battle on my hands and I'm doing these things, it's not long before I start remembering all the great victories that God's already done for me. Because it says to remember the Lord great and glorious. When I start praising him, when I start reading the word, I start remembering the things that God's already done in my life. And I get real happy. I get real joyful. I don't stay down very long when I'm singing the praises of God. And I remind you that your kids will follow your faith example. In fact, the New Testament even says, hey, be imitators of God as dear children imitate their fathers. Your kids will imitate and, and, and grow up to follow your faith 
example. And if you make the Bible and church an optional thing, they'll see it as optional. Thank you for your thunderous amens this morning. I appreciate that. But it's the truth. It's the truth. If you make Jesus and church just an accessory and something to do, if you've got leftover time, Jesus will always just get their leftovers. He'll just be Jesus. Jesus isn't leftovers, people. He's the main course. He's the bread of life. Amen. I'm not just, oh, well, we got nothing else going on. Let's reheat this old chili. No, that's not Jesus. He's chili on the first round. Come on, somebody. He's the real deal. He is not the leftovers. He's the main course. And so your kids need to hear what Jesus has done in your life. Your grandkids, you know, grandma, grandpa, you need to be telling them what Jesus brought you through and what he's done. And on top of all that, you need to remind yourself of what Jesus has delivered you from and brought you through already. And so what am I saying today about families? Number one, don't fear the enemy. I acknowledge he's real, but I'm not going to live in fear about him. I'm going to fight him. Number two, remember or focus on the Lord, great and glorious. And number three out of this verse is this, fight for your family. Fight for your family. And some people are like, man, I got that down. I fight with my family all the time. No, 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 no. Don't fight. Not, I'm not saying fight with your family. Fight for your family, okay? And I get a lot of phone calls. I know, yes, some are very good at fighting with their family. I'm talking about fight for your family. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. My dad preached on this verse on Wednesday night. So good. I was like, hey, let's do that again. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 12. 1 Timothy 6, 12. And we're talking about fighting for your family. And here's a verse that you need to know this verse. You need to, to know 1 Timothy 6.12. It is, it's instructions for you. It's not even uh, a, a suggestion. This is a battle call. It's instructions for you. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 in the New King James, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so fight the good fight of faith. And when we fight the good fight of faith, we're going to win. You can fight and win the fight of faith. Now, I'll say this, that there's a lot of people that are caught up in fighting all the wrong fights and battles. I mean, they're, they're getting caught up in, man, I don't know why we went, and I don't know why. Well, were you even called to fight that fight over there? I mean, I'm not much of a fighter. You guys know that. I'm a pretty soft, tender, delicate person. And it, I guess, you know, let, to let <laughs> I have pet bunnies. I'm just going to say that in public now. I, I haven't disclosed that, but, yeah. We tried. Thank you, Jose. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not an animal lover. I really don't even like animals. We tried dogs. I don't I don't like dogs, you know, shoot me, but I don't like dogs. But we got these little bunnies and I'm like, man, they're adorable. They're so soft. They're they're incredible. I love them. And so and so that's just the kind of guy I am. I'm not so I'm not going to go out there and I'm not I'm not going to fight for all this stuff. And blah, blah. But I will fight the good fight of faith and I will win 
because I always triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Amen. I'll fight spiritual battles all day long. And so a lot of people, they're out fighting this and fighting that and getting in this cause and getting in that cause. And they're just all over the place and man, whatever. But I'm telling you, you are called to fight the good fight of faith. You don't have guarantees and all these other whatevers, but you do have guarantees for winning if you're doing it in Christ Jesus. Fighting the good fight of faith. Now, we also, we got to be aware that there's an enemy, and yes, he wants to take your family down, but you're not going to let him, are you? You're going to fight the fight of faith, aren't you? I don't believe you. Are you going to fight the fight of faith? Yes, we're going to fight the fight of faith. Because if Satan can stop you from serving God, he knows he can stop your kids from serving God too. He knows that. All he's got to do is take the head out. You know, if, if we're in a military battle, you want to take some of the top guys down. You want to get to the whole head of it all. And the enemy, he wants to take mom and dad out, grandma or grandpa, whoever's in charge of the house. He wants to take you out because, hey, then it's easy work on the kids. You know, they don't have an ex- a faith example to follow. And so we will fight the good fight of faith and we will win. Now, some people, I've, I've found this out, may think that little kids are too young to start talking to about spiritual things. And I hear this. Uh, they think, well, yeah, you know what, tell their kids, you know, I mean, pump the brakes on all that stuff. You know, talk about the blood of Jesus. You're going to scare them. No, I'm not. I'm going to teach them how to win in life. Don't talk about that. Don't, don't, you know, that's, that's a little deep. No, it's the word of God. It's the only thing that I have to offer them that guarantees them victory for the rest of their days. And so some people think that, well, you know, start, hold off on that until they get older. Well, that's fine and dandy, but I'm going to tell you this, that the devil isn't going to hold off on them until they're older. He's going to go at them now. And so if we don't start teaching them the bible start teaching them the ways of god now we're already getting a late start we've got to teach our kids this right now and massive shout out to all the parents that get their kids into the house of god all the parents that are reading the bible to their kids at home hey we may not know it all we may not have it all together but if you're doing some of these things you're an awesome awesome parent and you are off to the right start And so the devil's not going to wait on them. And I'm telling you, don't wait and don't hold back on teaching them the things of God. I want you to flip over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. But right now is the time that your kids need to start learning how to fight the good fight of faith. They need to start learning it now. You know, I was at uh, the preschool the other day. Uh, I wasn't there as a student. I was just there. And um, I was picking up Sam. And Julie was picking up uh, my nephew, Jonas, and we were talking to the this w- wonderful lady. Runs, she's the, the front office. Her name's Miss Pat. But anyway, Julie asked her, about what age should a kid you know, know how to tie their shoes? And, and, and so she tells him, well, you know, four or five. And we get into a discussion, and, and we had, it was a deep discussion. <laughs> she identified different types of shoe tires. Um, I'm also, I'm a bunny ear shoe tire. You know what I mean? It's just, that's how I learned. That's what I do. And uh, and anyway, she gets into it. Well, you know, uh, normally a uh, 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 normally developing kid should uh, be tying their shoes by this age. And I'm like, well, that's okay. That's good. That's cool. And and so I start thinking about, wait, 
at what age should a, a, a Christian kid start knowing things like 2 Timothy 1.7? At what age should a, a, a Christian spirit-filled Pentecostal kid know First uh, Peter 2.24? At what age should our kids start knowing some of these verses and being able to quote? And I can tell you right now, there are a lot of kids in this church that can quote more Bible verses, and they get them, than a lot of adults I find out there. I mean, come on, you can ask the average kid in here in 2 Timothy 1.7, what's that say? For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I want Junior to know how to tie his shoes at five, but I also want him to know how to quote 2 Timothy 1.7, because when he thinks the boogeyman's coming, he can fight the good fight of faith and speak the word of God against him. Amen? And so... The earlier we teach them how to trust and believe in Jesus, the better off they're going to be. And I was thinking about, uh, I don't know, it was uh, several years ago now because my son Joel there was, uh, I don't know, he was like three or something. I don't know, he was still in a car seat. And so we had three kids at that time in a Nissan Sentra. We had three car seats lining the back row. And to get it closed, you had to like uh, hit the door just to get the, I mean, you know, we had to do what we had to do. And so... Uh, one day I'm strapping one, uh, one of the middle, uh, it must have been Ellie, into the middle, and man, boom, I pulled something in my back. And I'm like, ah, ow, oh, man, and it hurts so bad. And I'm like, I'm getting out of the car, and I'm walking around the driveway, oh, Jesus. And it hit me like, man, hey, it says believers can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. My kids are believers. They don't have to have a Ph.D. In, in theology to be able to lay. So I'm like, Joel, lay hands on daddy's back. And so three-year-old lays hands on my back and, you know, just prays. What a three, in the name of Jesus, heal, heal my daddy. And I'm the Lord Jesus is my witness. Boom. The pain was gone. I stood upright and I was totally healed. Why is that? Kids believe the word of God. They just believe it. They don't have to say, well, yes, but that was only written to the 12 apostles. And, and by that time, Judas, we all know he was a traitor, and so he doesn't even count. So I really only applied. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Shut up. Believe the Bible, man. What's wrong with you? Mark chapter 10. Sorry, I didn't mean for you to come to church to get insulted. You're like, hey, there's a pandemic out there. I came to church, and then you make fun of me the whole time. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to help. Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16 and here's a story of jesus with the kids and jesus loves the kids mark chapter 10 verse 13 one day some parents brought their children to jesus so he could touch and bless them but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him it's like that the same way today man bring the kids to church just make sure they shut up the whole time and don't make a sound like hey we get it We've got a lot of kids at this church. I mean, sometimes I look at the numbers from our children's class. I'm like, that's a lot of kids. It shocks me how many kids we have here. But it's awesome. It's our calling. It's our passion. It's what we love. Amen. Sometimes they're loud. Sometimes they're obnoxious. Sometimes they don't have it all together. But they've got more of it together than most of the adults. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You're so good at it. But you hear him make a noise. And, and what I'm trying to say is the disciples are like, man, those are kids. Shut them up. Jesus is here for the adults. And he's like, what? Jesus didn't like that. So when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Come on. 
I don't want to make people angry, but I don't want to make Jesus angry. And one way to make Jesus angry is messing with kids. And so he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never even enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. He blessed the kids. And see, Jesus says, the kingdom of God belongs to those that will become like children. And we hear this phrase, childlike faith. Well, those exact words aren't in the Bible, but this is where this teaching comes from. He says, you, you have got to become as the children to receive the kingdom of God, or you'll never even get into it. So I'm like, well, if I've got to become like a kid, what is it about kids and their faith that Jesus finds so appealing and important? Well, well, one thing about kids is they just simply trust Jesus. They don't overanalyze it. They don't complicate it, and, 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 and they don't try to. No, it, it's the kids, they just trust Jesus. Well, the Bible says that, that by his stripes and wounds, I've been healed, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be okay. Well, the Bible says that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, so I don't have to be afraid. They just trust Jesus. They don't overanalyze it. They don't think of all the ways that, well, that's a good scripture, but I don't think it can work for you. They don't think of all the ways that the Bible can't work. They think of how awesome it is that faith in Jesus does work. Childlike faith. I was thinking of my daughter, Ellie. She's got a vivid imagination vivid imagination and she invents things and she does things and i mean i could i'm not even going to go into the inventions and stories and the times my house has been painted and just all the wonderful blessings that have occurred in my life but one thing is is about her is this is that she'll invent something or, or think of some incredible idea and come up with like, and, and show it to me and i'm like well what if it doesn't what if that doesn't work? Suppose it doesn't work. More or less, what she'll always say is this. Well, what if it does work? Suppose it does work. And so many people, you'll quote them a Bible verse, show them a verse for their situation. Well, suppose it don't work. Well, suppose it does work. What about that? Yeah, but this is the pandemic and this is that and we've got this over here. And okay, but what if, just suppose for a minute, that the Bible actually is true. Suppose, just imagine, just take a minute, what if the Bible really is real? What if that it, when it says that by Jesus' stripes you are healed, what if that's true? What if it says that Jesus took our sickness and removed our disease, what if it's true? What if it says when he forgives our sins and casts them out as far as the east is from the west, what if the Bible really is true and you've confessed your sins and you really are forgiven now? What if? That's what Jesus loves about kids. That's why he wants us to have this childlike faith and yeah i know we grow into the deeper things of god and we can study it out and we can get a lot more angles and i get all that but what he's looking for is he says hey you got to become like one of these guys if you're even going to see the kingdom of god 
And then he takes the kids and he blesses them. And all the adults are over there like, hey, what about us? And you know, I don't, whatever. I'm here for these guys. And so what I'm bringing it all down today is this. In your life, we're talking about families, you know, for the next while. But today I really wanted to incorporate families with the fight of faith because I've got people watching from hospitals right now. I've got people watching from all over the place right now that needed to hear a little bit more than just simply family. But what I'm talking about today is this. For your family and every area of your life, don't be afraid of the enemy. He smells that out, and he will hunt that down. And just like Job, what I greatly feared finally happened. I was just waiting for it, and it finally happened. That's what happens when we let fear control our lives. Number two, remember the Lord, great and glorious. Remember and focus on what God's already done. And the third thing is this, fight for your family. Fight the good fight of faith. And you are guaranteed victory when you do things God's way. And I want to see victory in your life. I want to see healthy families. And we're going to change the future of Barstow. And that may sound like a grandiose, well, that sounds like apple pie in the sky. No, it's not if you've got a game plan. And the game plan is this. Start getting healthy families in this place. Start getting moms and dads that get married and stay together. Start getting children that are raised in the word of God. And they know right from wrong and wrong from right. And they know how to fight the fight of faith that'll that'll change things right there it may not be in one week or two weeks but it will happen and we're a family church and we want to see you blessed and successful in every way amen let's stand up together today praise god hallelujah amen i'm going to have our prayer team come on up together today amen and if you're here and you need prayer We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. We want to believe for victory in your life and over your situation, whatever that may be. The biggest thing is if you're here and you don't actually have a relationship with Jesus yet. I wouldn't leave here without that, man. (laughs) Today is the day of salvation. Today. And in fact, even our verse, Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day. He didn't say, well, wait till next week when you've got a better rap on this choose today who you're going to serve and if you don't have things right with god we want to make that end today we want to make things right with god with you and so come on up and get prayer we'd love to pray for you and even if you're watching online ask for prayer in the comments there we'll get to you we'll make sure that we are hooking up in faith with you amen but josh is going to lead us in a worship song here if you need prayer for anything at all we want to be in agreement with you let's worship god You have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I 
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid now, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running me with my life laid down surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me all my life you have been faithful all my you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, who was blessed today? Praise God. Pray that you receive the word of the Lord to us from Nehemiah 4.14. And hey, if, you know, any message, any service, if you were like, well, I didn't, you know, I wish I could have heard that again. You can always go online and listen again, YouTube, Facebook, podcast app, whatever. But you can listen again and, and get it. And our prayer is that 2022 is the best year you've ever had yet. And that uh, your family is healed, healthy, and whole. In the name of Jesus. Well, we've got service tonight at 6 o'clock, warfare prayer at 5 o'clock. Uh, so come on out again. We're going to dish the word out once again and uh, and believe that you receive it. And uh, I think that we'll go ahead and live stream tonight. We don't normally live stream uh, Sunday nights, but we'll do that tonight for those that need a, you know can't be here but need a little extra dose. All right? Praise God. Well, let's raise our hands together in prayer. Amen. Psalm 63 says that we should raise our hands in prayer and in praise. Father, we love you. We thank you for what we've seen in your word today. And Lord, we know that, hey, we're not going to be afraid of the enemy. We're going to fear not. We are going to remember the Lord great and glorious, and we will fight for our families. We will fight the good fight of faith against any attack and against any enemy that tries to come against our lives. Lord, I speak healing into anybody from this church that needs healing right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. The price has already been paid. Healing belongs to us. It's a part of our covenant. Healing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and to every person of this house of faith that needs it in Jesus name and I speak blessings over every home here Lord the marriages are blessed in the name of Jesus the parenting is blessed the grandparenting is blessed the finances are blessed the peace of God the joy of the Lord is our strength in every household here we love you we praise you in Jesus mighty name can somebody say amen today Hallelujah. Well, we are going to speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you are dismissed. Let's say it together. We should have a kid do it today, shouldn't we? Should we have a kid do it? Let's find us a kid that wants to say the faith. Is it Aliana? All right, let's bring Aliana up here. Come on, everybody. Yes. Amen. What a godly young lady. All right. Take it away, sister. 
we declare that Marshall's a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow's healed. Barstow's prospering. Barstow's safe. Barstow's strong. Barstow's surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow's full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow's full of the glory of God. Barstow's coming to Jesus. Barstow's saving. In Jesus' name, amen.